Welcome to another week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we cover a band, artist, punk rock icon. This week we're talking about Ramones. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... I'm Dax. Jared. And this is Tyler. And we also have a guest with us, which is... Donnie. Donnie is here again. Uncle Donnie. Yes. Frequenter of the Record Roundtable crew. Yes. Bring him in every time that we've got a band that really matters to Donnie. And I would say this is one of the big ones. Would you agree, Donnie? Yes. Yes. So, how did, uh, how, how did everybody feel about getting through the, the long discography... Of the Ramones. It was, uh, I enjoyed it. This was my pick for the month. I've been wanting to do the Ramones for a while. And, um, I finally selected them. I've liked the Ramones for a very long time. Some of the discography is questionable. Uh, maybe a little bit of filler, as I said last night, talking to Tyler, but he said it's punk. It can't be filler. So I guess it's not filler. Not everything is great, but a lot of things are. That's what I'll say. There's a lot of weird stuff. I didn't expect the weird stuff. I knew some of it was coming, but it took me by surprise a little bit. But we'll I feel, I feel like listening to the debut record, you would immediately be like, I bet they're going to be a little weird. Well, it just went in different directions than I, yeah. I thought. I was with you when I was listening to some of it. It's right. very strange, but we'll get there. We'll get there. I love the Ramones, so I can't. Everything is always good. It's just like uh, when I was younger, I at least listened to Ramones all the time. They're probably the first. They're the first group that brought me into my musical tastes, probably other than Weird Al. Mm-hmm. They get a bad rap for sameness, which you could say that's filler at times, I guess. But when they did other things, they got criticized for doing other things. So it was a lose lose. But I love the basic. Ramon's sound. Mm-hmm. When they strayed from it, I still loved it, but you so, know. So when you say the basic Ramon sound, what you're referring to it, is it, the early Ramon sound, or just kind of the structure, the first album. Okay, the yeah. first album, yes. Like the the f- fast paced songs that at around two minutes long, that are just like speed. Yeah, they're hard. They're I want the the I wanna's. I want to do this. I don't want to do that. Yeah, you know? that is the best way to look at their music. Honestly, is that that formula right there? I can remember the first Ramon song I ever heard and where I heard it, and I still remember how it felt because I was like, "What? What is this? What is this right here?" It was all quiet on the Eastern Front. I was in Ooh. my my uh, neighbor's brother's car. We had driven somewhere, maybe to like the movie shop or something, you know, rent a movie. Uh-huh. And we had come back, and it was playing as we were coming back down my road and pulling into the driveway. And I was like, I got to find this. I got to know what this is. He told me it was Ramones. He didn't tell me what song it was or anything. So that being a song that's on a later album that's not as you know popular of a song, mm. it took me a while before I found out what it was. Mm. But I remember it. You had to dig first. I had to dig, I had to dig a little bit. But they are the Ramones are huge, a huge band for me. I was a punk purist when I was young, and if you didn't listen to Ramones, I didn't take anything you told me seriously. Mm-hmm. I also remember the first Ramones song I heard. It was uh, Blitzkrieg Bop from Jimmy Neutron. Oh, really? Oh, my. I, I may have heard things before that, yeah, but that's the first thing that. I remember. It was them performing it on Jimmy Neutron or somebody else I, covering? I think it was them, right? I <laughs> think it was them. Donnie, I'm sure that this is maybe hard to remember, but did did you just start off with the beginning? Like, did you did you happen to start with the debut album, or what? Like, where did you kind of fall into the Ramones the first time? My introduction is different because to me, they always existed. If that makes any sense, right. we got cable TV. It what must have been fall '81, and MTV already existed when we got cable, and the Ramones were on MTV. So I thought they were, like, not like, they. these guys are going to be big. I thought they already were huge, because I didn't know. So they were right next to, you know, you got 
Pat Benatar and Phil Collins and the Ramones on MTV. And and it, it made sense. I mean, obviously their music sounded different, but it took me a couple years to realize they weren't big. Like my friends right. don't know who they are. Yeah. How do you not know who this is? But I was going to say, cause the they, they really weren't like a big commercial success at all. They're of course now looked back on as one of the most influential punk bands if not the most influential punk band. But at the time, yeah, I wouldn't think that a whole lot of people were going out of their way looking for them. But being on Sire, they had some video budget, Mm -hmm. so they had videos. And, you know, it's like, well, throw it on there. Um, But, I mean, the, the... we want the airwaves video is pretty cheap mm-hmm. if you see it, but it was on MTV. They, I think that one thing that's worth talking about in terms of the music video situation and just kind of in general in their career, uh, is the fact that they really, really wanted to be popular early on. I think maybe, I don't know what happened like later in their career. It seemed like, I, I feel like at a certain point they finally kind of decided like, they didn't really care anymore if they were going to be popular or not. But really, those first probably six, seven albums, they were really trying to find a way to be in, the, like, to have commercial success. They thought what they were doing would be popular. Right. I think. Not that they would have to change or, you know, add, add this, add that, take away this. It, it, why are people not getting it? Just in general, the, the songs that they thought people would would buy, you know, that like mainstream success would be theirs with songs like, um, specifically, I was talking about "Beat on a Bread," but um, it the, the 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 song lyrics, as catchy as the songs are, they don't understand that you know, like sniffing glue or. Um, Things like that are not going to be mainstream successful songs. Yeah, no, not quite. I What I found to be maybe the most interesting thing that I kind of realized about the Ramones throughout all of our listening is that really when they started to shift was into the century. Yeah. So things, yeah. things really, that's when they started to say, maybe we should try something different. So they bring in Phil Spector they do this kind of like weird mixture of punk, but also with like the 50s, 60s sound that had influenced them. And that's the point where people stop kind of caring about the Ramones from 80 on. Really the the most that people look back and say, this is where the Ramones were influential. This is where their music was really good. You know, Rocket to Russia, debut Ramones, those are really the two big Ramones albums. And that was when they weren't probably really trying to change things to make things more commercial. So they had just left things alone and just said, yeah, we're not super popular, but we make the music that we want to make. They probably would have been retrospectively one of the biggest bands because they would have not just had, you know, one or two like really, really influential albums. Their whole discography could have been. And eventually maybe people would have caught on because they did eventually catch on. People go back on those albums and they say, you know, look at the debut from the Ramones. Look how important these songs are. Look how it uh, it impacted the sound of punk rock as we know it. And then they changed. Mm -hmm. And nobody really wanted that change of their fans. And changing didn't really bring them in new fans. No, but no. the 80s were a weird time for, for this situation as well, though, because like, so if we de- delve into them as a punk rock band, they formed in 74, they performed around New York, most prominently at CBGB. Mm-hmm. The other two bands performing really prominently at CBGB alongside them were Talking Heads and Blondie, all right, who we know pushed forward to become essentially like the pop new wave movement that would move into the 80s. Like, that's where punk shifted to towards the 80s. In the DIY, the DIY mentality, the ideas began to shift. Punk began to shift 
into the 80s into post-punk and then the new wave sector as we know so like it's kind of weird because they put out four albums in four years between 76 and 80 and those are the big punk albums and that's like the big punk period then you have hardcore punk which they kind of dabbled in yes a little bit throughout the 80s so like the window of opportunity to be able to maintain what they were doing is probably the time period when they released those albums anyway like it's not it's kind of weird like i'm not convinced that a continuation of the sound of those first four albums would have done much in different in the 80s than it did in the 70s that's fair so i don't i understand the shift and i understand like for me I own the first album I owned was a live album from 1978, which included most of the stuff from the first three albums, some stuff from Road to Ruin as well, because they were performing some of that stuff anyway. And then I also bought a box set of Ramones where Johnny Ramone picked out all of his favorite Ramones songs and they made it into a box set. And the, the whole, it's a three disc box set, CDs. So there's like 30 songs on each CD, of course. Mm hmm. And the whole last one is later discography Ramones. Even the middle one. The middle one begins with End of the Century, the middle CD. So the only the first CD in that case was dedicated. So in my experience, like I heard a lot of songs from mid to late Ramones career that are still really phenomenal that started, that came, like they wouldn't have made some of them if they hadn't done End of the Century because End of the Century explores more pop sensibilities, is particularly in, in terms of the music that they grew up listening to. So I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not sure about whether if maintaining what they had done before would have done a whole lot or not in terms of mainstream success and popularity. I mean, their influence had already been made in the punk community over the course of the first four albums. But I think that they wouldn't have been able to go on and kind of make some of the other songs that are still really good. Like I told you, we mentioned on the Christmas episode, uh, "Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Cry Tonight," which is a, I think is a fun song. It's mm -hmm. a Ramon song, but it does not sound like early Ramones. And they wouldn't have been able to do stuff like that had they not kind of mixed some stuff up. And I don't, I don't think it's it's discredited at all. And I'm not sure that it was like an, I'm not sure that it was like planned for success wholly either. I'm not sure that they made that decision just to try to get popular. You know, I mean, knowing that Johnny picked out like in this disc that he picked all of these songs at his favorite songs, and a lot of them are still from that period. Like, I think that they just stylistically made some choices and decided that they wanted to do it regardless. I think they were still being true to themselves and what they wanted to do, you know. Plus, with Tommy leaving, you get different influence in there. You can kind of change things up. I like a lot of later songs. I Want to Be Sedated is a later song that's one of their best songs. I like two two main songs from their last album, Adios Amigos. Um, so I, I like later stuff as well. I I. I think there's at least one song from most albums that I can say this is a good song. Well, one of your favorite songs is a later song, which is Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery is a very good song, yes. And it was written specifically for the film. Um, Stephen King is a fan of the Ramones, which is fun little thing. And uh, he asked them to write a song for it. And he was uh, they were at his house. And he went down and they wrote a song in like two hours. And it became, it was Pet Cemetery. I would imagine they probably had read the book, or at least were familiar with the book. I would think so. Because it had come out in 84, and the movie came out in 89, so. So, it, I'm assuming Pet Cemetery is not your favorite, that you've determined. So, what is your favorite? I think my favorite, ba Hold it's. That. Pet Cemetery is my favorite. Can I claim it? Yes. Hey. Pet Cemetery is a favorite. I don't want to be buried in a bed. I don't want to live my life again. I don't want to be buried in a bed cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. What do you think about Pet Cemetery, Donnie? I like it because they'd already done so many, like, I don't want to go down to the basement and, and different things that have like horror chainsaw or you know to be, to be in a horror movie is a logical pr progression for them even with you know a little bit of synthesizer here and there or whatever the sound but but they should be they should have been they should be in a horror movie you know like they'd had a lot of shock lyrics yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. They're scary guys. Well, you know, they say some stuff. Yeah. I'm I'm a Nazi, baby. They like to sniff that glue. Yeah. <laughs> I like what, what? the that song that came out later that was like about uh, a specific kind of glue and then it got carbona? taken off yeah carbona yeah and they, a... they got it taken off the album because it's like yeah it's not off the albums on the album well mm-hmm. they they they'd uh i think that was maybe i don't know i read that they, they were going to take time, it off. at it the time taken. yeah yeah they also speaking of another lyric today your love tomorrow the world the 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 label sire begged them not to say that not to say i'm a nazi begged them they're like, don't say I'm a Nazi, and they said we're gonna say I'm a Nazi, and they said I'm a, they said I'm a Nazi. So there you go. On the Carbona song, or no? On today, your love tomorrow, the world. Okay. They said, don't call yourself a Nazi. You know, and they're like, yeah, well, too too bad. Well, speaking of of that, we can go into a little bit unless we have something else we really wanted to talk about. I would really like to talk to the, uh, about the song Bonzo Goes to Pittsburgh. Okay, let's do it. It's I a love great song. I this of this week, it's probably the song that I um maybe either discovered or rediscovered, probably discovered, honestly, but I probably heard it at some point, but I just never knew it. In School of Rock, in the movie School of Rock. That's something. So, But uh, it's it's about uh, Mr. Ronald Reagan, and uh, he went to a a cemetery in in Russia. Am I telling the story correctly? Uh, To honor people that had died in the Holocaust. But, unfortunately, several... Um, uh, SS, not SS, what were they? They were, they were soldiers that had worked for the Nazis were also buried there. And it, it had just kind of like, he was honoring the dead, uh, people from the concentration camps and also, unfortunately, the Nazis. And he was trying to say like, well, the, you know, a lot of them were just kids that just did what they were told to do. And it's like, oh, come on, dude. That's not a good thing to say. Mm-hmm. Even if you think it's true, just no. But the my favorite thing about it is it's a uh, a name given to the song because they're calling Reagan Bonzo mm-hmm. because he had been in a movie called Bedtime for Bonzo. And so they're calling him his character yeah, from a they're movie. Harking back to his acting career. <laughs> I love it's just so creative and like great. Uh, Joey, speaking about it, said, We had watched Reagan going to visit the SS cemetery on TV and were disgusted. We're all good Americans, but Reagan's thing was like, forgive and forget. How can you forget six million people being gassed and roasted? Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of their few political songs, honestly. And it's honestly, it's one of their better songs, in my opinion. It just flows so well. Well, you expect punk music to go in a more political direction. Punk music is built out of that. So. Yeah, true. of course not. It, but the Ramones never really did it, right? Well, yeah. Well, that's because they they so they were kind of like a American. They're an American band in that mm-hmm. sense. That's kind of some of the mentalities. I mean, they were they were like Johnny loved horror flicks. Mm-hmm. He liked to collect horror movie posters, and he liked music from the fifties and in the six. And he liked. Uh, Elvis, and he just is like an American guy, and he wore mm-hmm. T-shirts that said "Kill a Commie for Mommy" on him, and you know, b- not true communisms, but let me clarify, of course, but like you know, the Russian, uh, you know, but uh, <clears throat> you know, that's so, a different show, yeah. But so it is, but they were uh, all American dudes, so it's like in that kind of idea, you don't, it's not always readily available to like criticize the government necessarily sometimes, right? And uh, plus, we really see a lot of that. In, with like some of the UK punk bands that came after and then returning back and coming really full force in the late 70s and the 80s with hardcore punk, particularly, you know, with D- DK, that Kennedy's leading a lot of like focusing on some of that stuff. And Black Flag too. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. You want to play that song? Mondo. They uh, they changed it to another. What was it? Something uh, hanging from my. My brain is hanging upside down. My brain is. Yeah. They changed the name of the song. Um but it's also that song. Bon- yeah, it's Bonzo typically goes to if you look at it anywhere, it typically will say Bonzo goes to Bitburg and then parentheses. My brain is hanging upside down.
That's a good song. Yeah, we missed the second the uh, second title portion, but there's what can you do? Yeah, what Donnie, do? what do you think about Bonzo Goes to Pittsburgh? Yeah, I like I like it. I didn't get the politics of it at the time, so you know I had to learn that later. It's very veiled. I mean, how would anyone know that they're talking about Reagan when they're calling him Bonzo? Unless you knew the '50s film, you know, like. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, it was just like something's happening, but I don't know what it is. It's kind of <laughs> a very vague protest. Something yeah. is wrong. Oh, well, that's... Because by the time know. the song had come out, he had already done the thing that they didn't like. And he wasn't going to do it again. So it's like, hey, I didn't like this thing you did back six months ago. And now people should be outraged about a thing he did six months ago that nobody knew he did. It's so difficult for like a protest song to be like that. So, so that song's on um, an album. It's on Animal Boy, which Jared mentioned to me last night that Animal Boy and also Too Tough to Die are, are often regarded as hardcore punk albums. Or have songs that are hardcore punk. Yeah, punk. which I found very surprising because I had never really imagined Ramones as hardcore punk mm-hmm. or thought about it. But, uh, you know, I, I can see it. Those albums are kind of interesting because they're from the mid-80s and they have a variety of different styles of songs on it for for ramon's album because there are some hardcore punk style songs one of them that, that i'm quite familiar with is the song warthog i don't know if you remember that song mm-hmm. that's a pretty speedy oh, yeah. hardcore punky then on the same album that's on too tough to die you have howling at the moon sha la 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 which is like a pop song full out almost for sure daytime dilemma is kind of uh like a, almost like a hard rock song um in some ways, but it's got some pop elements to it. I don't know. It's just kind of funny in the eighties, some of the stuff that they do, but I think it's interesting to think about, uh, that they did try their hand at hardcore punk kind of with some of their mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I don't know. I think, and it worked, it worked. I don't think it didn't work. I don't know. I mean, if you're Ramones, you can't, I mean, you play all sorts of, was that Richie? Fine, was Richie the one that kind of, uh, did that? Or was that somebody else? Who, who was the kind of the, maybe it's probably Dee Dee, honestly. Well, a lot, a lot 84 would have been, too tough to die. Which Richie was. Richie came in eighty four to eighty seven, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. I think it was Richie at that time. So yeah, it would have been Richie. Richie yeah, eighty three to eighty seven was Richie. So that would have been Richie for both of those albums. Did you read about how they got the name Ramones? Or anybody know about this? Okay, it's pretty great because it's so like not really what you would think. So uh, they adopted the name uh, Ramon. Uh, Didi called himself Didi Ramon, and it was inspired by Paul McCartney's use of the pseudonym Paul Ramon, Ramon, R-A-M-O-N, no E at the end, during his Silver Beatles days. So he would use it, like, probably checking in to hotels and stuff. And uh, so that's why they where they pulled it from, is the, the Ramones, as an homage to Paul McCartney. I, I love the whole idea of when you join the group, you have to change your name to be a part uh-huh. of this family. I do, too. It's pretty great. I love this like kind of like weird concept that maybe somebody doesn't know. I like that they're like, oh, they're just a bunch of cousins, and they just keep mm. bringing them in the new family members. That's kind of funny that the name came from a, from a Beatles reference, though, because Johnny was a Stones fan, not a Beatles fan. Yeah. And there's a famous story of him taking a bag of, uh, rocks to a Beatles concert and throwing rocks at them on the stage. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> now he's probably far enough away that not, you know what I mean. But yeah, it's kind of funny. He was kind of like that. He was kind of interesting. He was he was relatively quiet, but he was kind of he kind of didn't like the main as much of the mainstream stuff, which makes sense when you get into the music. So, but also stylistically, when I started playing guitar, I like some, almost all of the first songs I learned were Ramones songs. And you used to know how to play so many Ramones songs because I love Ramones and I love playing punk. And it's very, it's difficult because all of, I don't know if you know, but throughout the course of, especially the first four albums, all of the guitar playing is in downstrokes only. So there's no up. So all of the speed, yeah, it's all downstroke. And I could never do it as a kid. And I was always aggravated and annoyed. But that's part of the, what comes along with the aggression and like the speed of the style of, of their music and his playing is like, is that thing. And that kind of, no one had really, like nothing had come out like that before. That was no. at that speed. Yeah. You know, it, it, their sound is really interesting because it has the stylistic roots of where they come from are, is in Iggy Pop and the Stooges, which they reference a lot as being kind of that. 
some television. They kind of reference a little bit of television. And then the, a band called New York Dolls, which mm-hmm. is a little bit bigger than they were. I thought that they were when I was a kid. But New York Dolls, I used to go watch New York Dolls play all over the place. Yeah. Which was kind of a band that was punky, but also kind and of. They're also from New York, too. Yeah. I read I, I read that uh, a, a reviewer of uh, like concerts and stuff in New York at the time was talking about how um, Joey was so different than anybody else. He, like he went up with his leather jacket and his cool swagger and stuff. And basically everybody had kind of gone up and tried to mimic David Johansson of the New York dolls right. in New York. They were just trying to be like him. And Joey was just Joe, you know, like he was just trying to be himself and he wasn't trying to be anybody else. And that's kind of where they were able to find success is they were unique. David Johansson. I don't know when we'll ever get a chance to talk about this. Uh, do you know his pseudonym? Like, I think you've mentioned it, but I want to... You Go ahead. It's Buster Poindexter. Yeah. The guy who sings hot, hot, hot. Nice. That's pretty Dude. great. Yeah, we looked into that like three weeks ago. What a weird thing. Dax and I were expect. we were playing Rocket League and just playing a bunch of Bo- Buster Poindexter songs. It was amazing. <laughs> it was one of the best nights I've had in a while. <laughs> Jeez. Tyler, why don't you go ahead and give me your favorite track? All right. I think... I don't have, I can't choose one. It's definitely, it's, this is, it's absolutely impossible. Undoubtedly impossible. I mean, with most bands, even the ones I like, I can choose a favorite song, but I can't do it here because there's so many things I like uh, all over the place when I listen. Like, I know every song from the first four albums and they all please me in the same way. Let's say it that way. Mm. But I think what I want you to play is All's Quiet on the Eastern Front since that was my introduction and it's a song I really enjoy. I'm going to choose that one. in that one but it's fun man mm-hmm. i like that song a lot i think what probably turned me on to it when i heard it was not only like the simplistic but like hooky portion of the guitar but also joey's voice because it's that is a song where his voice kind of he gets a little bit of a chance to instead of just like yelling out the lyrics he's got a little bit of a fluctuation in there so donnie um i obviously know because you were talking about how it was like what 81 that you said that like you just kind of felt like, oh, yeah, they've just always kind of existed, right? Mm-hmm. So what happened kind of later in their music for you? Did you follow their career pretty closely? Like, have you listened to all their albums as they kind of came out? Or did you kind of give up on them, like, later? No. I remember buying Animal Boy when it came out and not loving it, which was disappointing because I did – I had – um. um too tough to die when it came out as well you know and it's like i like where they're going and it, it just maybe it was that there was the hardcore punk influence but it was like that was where they were going they still had their old sound at times but you know i still followed them all the way through it's just like you kind of wonder where they're going you know they took stabs at things um um stylistically Johnny is the Hulk to me because it's just Hulk smash yeah Hulk smash you know do what we do do what we do and it's like you know the others like can we do something different you know and it was kind of a a formula like a couple songs of this and a couple songs of that but they had to do that I it's funny you mentioned too tough to die because I feel like that's kind of the last return to form album yeah like, that's kind of the album where they said, let's do a little bit more of what we've been doing, kind of go back and do the hard and fast sound. And then really from then on, that's when they're not anymore. Like, you know, I, I think Subterranean Jungle had a little bit of that as well, of that kind of return to sound. It still had, you know, some of the pop influences on, you know. But there's definitely songs on there that feel more like their 70s work. So really, End of the Century and Pleasant Dreams are kind of the outliers in that early work. 
But then after Too Tough to Die, Animal Boy, Halfway to Sanity, Brain Drain, so on and so forth, they are definitely going more in that hardcore punk realm of sound. So I could definitely see why Animal Boy, like, listening to that early in the career of them, you'd be like, I don't really know about this. I like, uh, from Animal Boy, I really enjoy the song, Somebody Put Something in My Drink. That's a good song. That's the opening song. It was covered uh, by Children of Bodom, and I really like that cover. I didn't know when I listened to it. I don't think I knew it was a Ramon song, and I don't know if I ever went and found the original Ramon's version. But um, Children of Bodom is a Swedish or maybe Finnish okay. metal band. Uh, are they? Do you know if they're Swedish? Or I, I can't remember. I think they're Swedish. And they do on all of almost all of their albums, they do a cover of something. So like we watched, uh, they did a cover of Rebel Yell by Billy Idol, which was pretty good. Uh, somebody put something in my drink. Uh, uh, Looking out my back door by CCR. They did like they, they have very interesting metal covers. And uh, I really enjoy the somebody put something in my drink cover. Um, and that then, growl, the growling vocal mm-hmm. that he really hadn't used. No. Yes, I, I guess that's kind of the hardcore punk. I think it's just because he doesn't know he's not a very good singer. He's <laughs> really not. So, like, um, on Halfway to Sanity, their 87 release, you have a song like Worm Man, which is super weird. Such a weird uh, song. I'm, I'm Not Jesus. I'm Not Jesus was a really interesting song as well. Uh, and then from that album, I think my favorite song from Halfway to Sanity is Go Lil' Camaro Go, which we brought up when we did uh, Four Non Blondie because Debbie Harry is on that song. And that is like a doo throwback song. I thought that was a cover. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's Yeah, it's like, you know, it's the almost pre-Beatle in yeah. their influences. It is. Yeah, that album has a lot more of like rock songs. Like I Want to Live is more of like a rock song. Um, and even Garden of Serenity is kind of more of like a rock. You know, there's a lot more songs on there that are more rock songs mm-hmm. as they move along, too, as compared to, like, sticking with punk. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit. Or, go ahead, Kim. Sorry. It is odd because when you think about artists from, like, that, you know, that are coming up in, like, the mid-70s or whatever, for the most part, when you think about music, because music is obviously shaped by its influences, Everything that comes out is based on what came before in a lot of ways. And when it comes to like a 70s group, you would just kind of automatically think you are influenced by the Beatles, the Stones, you know, the early, the mid to late 60s groups. But you don't really think about people being influenced by like rockabilly or doo-wop or, you know, that style of rhythm and blues or anything like that, you don't really think, oh, yeah, I bet the Ramones would be influenced by Rockabilly. Or Motown. Or Motown, yeah. yeah. But they liked it. I mean, that's just what they yeah. listened to. Yeah. I mean, it, Motown was huge in the 60s anyway. And once, and as we talked about, the 70s is when they had to make shifts, right, with Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye. So you get a lot of the pop Motown thing throughout all of the 60s. You know, while they were growing up listening to music and going over to each other's houses and like sitting in their rooms and listening to records. I mean, that's the kind of stuff they heard. And it's also apparent in like all of the covers that they do, because they do a lot of covers from the 50s and 60s pop era. Uh, and I prefer most of their covers over the originals, even though I love that. that I still really enjoy that era mm. personally, but yeah, their covers are awesome. Surfing Bird is a great cover. That's a good it cover. is, isn't it? <laughs> they also covered Spider-Man. They, they did. did. They did cover Spider-Man. Uh, do You Want to Dance is a cover I really enjoy. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, California Sun's a cover. Um, a lot of those songs. They're so, but they're really good. Mm-hmm. They're really good. I, it's funny too, because when you think about like listening to the Ramones, you wouldn't necessarily say like, oh yeah, they're, they're adjacent. Like, oh yeah, I listen to the Ramones and also I listen to doo Like yeah. you don't, you don't really see a lot of like overlapping Overlap. fans. Well, they had an entire on, uh, their album Acid Eaters. It's an entire covers album. Of various things they covered the who they covered bob dylan my back pages they covered all kinds of stuff and stuff like stuff that basically stuff they listened to that influenced them yeah. uh, have you ever seen the rain which is a pretty good cover so i mean that entire album is full of covers it's yep. kind kind of sameness a my, little a bit, little bit maybe. but my, my, uh, it's interesting my favorite cover from that is the opener journey to the center of the mind i love that song i think it's really great written by ted nugent written by ted nugent for an early group of his <laughs> Uh, whose name I can't remember at the moment because it's kind of a weird something. name. Like it's the only hit they had. Yeah, 
but uh yeah also when you know when i was a kid too i'll go ahead and do a little anecdotals because i like i said i was a punk kid i wore i wore band shirts because that's what i was like in middle school and high school and i wore i had more ramon shirts than any other band i only had one band shirt for every other band i had like six ramon shirts and uh you know i wore my my chucks in my Ramon shirt and my jeans, my with the whole knee holes in the knees. I wanted the leather jacket, but I could never afford one. So mm-hmm. I never got one. I wanted one so bad. And I'd roll around town and be all punk and tell people that they suck if they don't listen to Ramones. And in my hometown, there was a band. The guy who, one of the guys in the band who I believe played bass actually works with my mother, which is kind of funny. And there was a Ramones cover band in Madison and they would play called Chalk Treatment. And they uh-huh. played shows all over, and I would go to those shows and mosh and like be all insane and had a great time. So uh, it was, I don't know, it's just kind of weird. It's like the universe aligned for me when I was a kid because I loved them. And then here it turns out there's this, and they were like one of the only long standing Madison bands, is this Ramones cover band. So they played a lot of stuff when I was growing up, hmm. uh, but it was just awesome. And I know those guys, actually. I know the guy who works with my mother. Uh, one of the other guys in the group was like a guy who owned one of the, um, most popular restaurants in town. So when I go eat there, I'd wear my Ramon shirt and he'd come and we'd talk. And he actually get has free food. Well, he has the Johnny Ramon signature edition guitar from Mosrite signed. He has one of them. And he had wow. it. He brought it out and showed it to me in the middle of the restaurant. He's like, check this out, dude. And he opened it and showed it to me. It's the white version and everything. And I was like, uh, I want to steal this from you so badly. Mm-hmm. Fair. So. Donnie, I'm sure that you, I mean, why would you not? I'm sure you have some fun anecdotals about the Ramones. Oh, man. Um, I do want to tell a story. When um, we saw them at Kings Island, it was the um, Escape from New York, I think. was It was um, Debbie Harry was solo and uh, Jerry Harrison from Talking Heads. Um the sound crew is still on the stage putting the the instruments, you know, they're not ready. And this punk kid next to my friend, Chris is poking him going, Hey ho, let's go. Come on. You know, like, like magically, if we start chanting, the band will come on the stage. Even if they're not ready. Yeah. Like, wait, those four guys want us to come out. (laughs) It it didn't happen. What was the uh, album they were touring on? Oh, it was 1990. Okay. Uh, had been brain drain, probably. Brain drain. Yeah, because yeah. that was in '89. They didn't have another yeah. one until '92. Yep. And I saw them again, uh, November '95. As between songs, Joey was giving election results because it was actually election <laughs> night. It was, you know. That's awesome. <laughs> it was kind of funny. You could, I don't need uh, Dan Rather. I got Joey. <laughs> That's great. I do want to talk about um, End of the Century. Before you talk about End of the Century, uh, let's do uh, one more favorite track. Donnie, do you want to give me your favorite track at this point? We could do one off of End of the Century. I mean, of, of Too Tough to Die, Endless Vacation. quite the track indeed that's mm-hmm. hardcore punk right there it is buddy boy that is i bet you can't guess who's singing on that one is it d it's no, dd it's, it's clear it's dd he has really has the more punk voice mm-hmm. but they just let joey sing anyway because his voice is that sounds prettier yeah fair so um when he didn't it, get his due i mean he was as much the creator yes he was dd was probably almost more so honestly i mean he wrote a lot of songs and yeah um was it Margie wrote a lot of songs too, didn't he? One of them like came in later and wrote like eleven or like eight of the eleven tracks from an album. Oh, I mean Richie. Was that Richie wrote a or was lot. it Richie? Richie okay. wrote like six or seven songs. Okay, I don't know. They all had some kind of hand in, in a lot of things. I wonder what that means, though. I mean, like, is it lyrics? Because the the um, they don't shift their 
the lyrical tone from you know like beginning to end they're not doing political songs later or, you mm -hmm. know it's the same basic formula but is it the music when they say written by yeah i don't know i don't know either and i know that for instance 53rd and 3rd was written i know the lyrics were written by dd because 53rd and 3rd is a song about uh turning tricks to get what you need whether it be in you know for drug related things or whatever and it's about things going south and having to do what you have to do when someone turns on you, i.e. essentially kill a person if need be mm. kind of situation. And it's a little bit based off of DD's experiences on the street in New York. So I know that that was written. I know the lyrics were written by him as in that specific instance. So I'm not sure, you know, all in all who did what, where with that regard. And I wonder who, who, cause some of like, I want to be your boyfriend right out the bat off of 76. It's a pop song, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the lyrics are all bubble gummy and like, you know, lovey lovey. So, but it has that, the guitar, the, the you know, is the same. It's just yeah. slower. So it works in, 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 the, in listening to albums. It, it's, it fits in the album. But without the album, you know, it, they needed a, you know, a slow one, a fast one, a, another fast one. You know, it, it works in the album, but it's like in a vacuum. It's odd. Yeah, I would agree. But... But they do the same thing, like um, "I Want You Around" is the same. Or, um, I mean, they did that, but I don't like "Baby I Love You," but they did okay with ballad type stuff. Right. Yeah, it is. It, it does seem weird in a vacuum, but it always makes sense in the in the context of an album. That's kind of how they arrange stuff. Would you like to talk about end of the century now? I just know it's. Um like a controversial Ramones album and it was like very difficult recording process and there's some interesting stories that came from it but I want to talk like the thing that I found interesting about it so if you go back to the beginning us like their influence of that style the old style of music the Motown doo-wop that kind of stuff you can kind of tell like um Rockway Beach and like surfing songs. Yeah, surf and, is big on that. Um, Swallow My Pride from Leave Home is kind yeah. of along that same line. And so with End of the Century, Phil Spector um, produced it, which he had produced a lot of really big albums in the uh, 50s. Well, I don't know if he did 50s, but definitely the, the, seven, the 60s and 70s. Um, he did um, Pet, Pet Sounds. Sounds and uh, did he do Beatles? Or did I don't know if you ever did the it. last um, long and wide and grow that kind of stuff. Mm. Phil Spector did that. John just get and he did let it be the original let it be. Mm. That's where John just gave him all the recordings and said make this sound good. Nice. Uh, which is why Paul McCartney came back and made a much better version in two thousand three. <laughs> but um, it's funny because like you can hear the influence of that style of music, and then for their album they're like, who can we get uh, the to get that sound we want and it's the guy that created it phil specter with the wall of sound and it's just like even though i read that uh phil specter held them at gunpoint for like three hours because he was just freaking out during that time period in his life and he had like hired bodyguards and like the whole thing is just super wild and them working with him and just him so in general. So you mean like actually held them at gunpoint? You don't mean like many members said that, and then one member said it, that never happened. But I, I don't. I would say I would believe the many as opposed to the one. Sure, it might be a Stockholm syndrome kind of thing where he's like, no, he didn't. He didn't do that. All I we won. On was the hair? I don't know. What happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like it. It could have been like, well, we could have left at any time. I mean, he hauled a gun on us, but we didn't think he was going to shoot it. You know, like, it's like, but, um, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting chance they took with that album. Whether it succeeded or not, at least they took a chance, I suppose. I listened to the demos this morning mm -hmm. and it's like the demos are Ramon songs and they could have cleaned them up and released that album, but I like what he did. You know, like, it was like, we want to sound like, you know, they wanted to sound like the music of, of their youth and adding horns and adding, you know, layers and layers. That's what, that's what he brought. So the, the demos are, you know, just fine, but 
it's not they're not like you know you can't judge comments on YouTube but they they should have released this and it's like no they that's not what they wanted right, right. it was just that's why the, there were demos you know put you invite Phil Spector in to do Phil Spector yeah that's what they were trying to that's what I, was, I mentioned to Jared is they were trying to make you know the, the music that was like what they listened to and that's and then and it worked i think it worked out i mean it, it definitely did like some people uh, there's a lot of ramones fans who are hardcore four album ramones fans right who do not like do you remember rock and roll radio and they think that song sucks and they don't like anything about that period kind of thing but i think it i mean i think it worked just fine there is a certain commercial aspect to it that might turn some people off i suppose but it's not like that album blew up and people are all like, oh, and that's no. ev- what everyone listens to from them. You know what I mean? It was just a point in their career. They wanted to do something a little bit different. Right. So um, a song that I really love on that album is Danny Says. I don't know if you all, if that stood out to any of you guys or not. It was okay. Yeah. That's their a day in the life, kind of. I mean, or, or Hard Day's Night. Like, we go to this hotel and we play this sound check and we do this. And, you know, it's like um, most of their lyrics were so comic book kind of that it was it was interesting to hear their actual like an actual scenario of the Ramones being Ramones the the real people not the cartoon comic book kind of Ramones yeah that song kind of talks about like you mentioned it's like oh this is what we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this but I really wish I was with you kind of thing which is I never thought about tying it to Hard Day's Night but that's a really great point Donnie yeah I wish they would have done an episode of Scooby Doo. <laughs> I'm just thinking <laughs> about Joey cart- as a cartoon. He mentioned them cartoon. I would have. I'm cartoonish. thinking about. Yeah, I'm thinking about them, like running around, like smoking weed in the. They were on the Simpsons. Oh yeah, they, they were. were big, they've been they on were... the Simpsons more than once, even. Mm, yeah, they yeah. were. They're big fans of the Simpsons. They were. Were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't talk about Tommy. I guess. Okay. Because Tommy is on the first three albums. He's on the debut. He's on Leave Home, and he's on Rocket to Russia. And then Marky comes in, and Mark and I. I well, Tommy goes to production at that point. He begins. Yeah, he steps away. He was always on the next album. He was always doing production, uh, but he wanted to be only the producer and no longer, and no longer in the band. So, and so when Marky comes in, there is a. I think there is a shift on Road to Ruin. There's still some songs that sound like more classic songs, but there's some songs that are pushing closer to end of the century, not in production standpoint, but from the writing standpoint. And I I don't know. I wonder what happened when I'm, I want to be the person who hates Marky. I hated Marky for a long time. Cause I'm like, Tommy should have just stayed in there. Cause this is, cause that's the original people. And this is what, the, you know what I mean? And I like Tommy, but, uh, I don't know. Tom was kind of an interesting dude. He never he never wanted to do it. They actually, when they first formed, Joey played drums initially, and they everything was swip swap. They're trying to figure out who's going to sing and this or that. And it was actually Johnny, Dee Dee, and Joey. And then when they said Joey, why don't you get up here and sing? Tommy said, "Okay, I'll sit in on drums." And so he just sat in for the purpose of filling the spot. And lo and behold, now he ends up on three albums. You know what I mean? Before he decides to say, "I'm not going to do this anymore." So, but I think the period with I like Road to Ruin, all right, but I think the first three, the period with the f- original four, are really the ones to look at for like the classic Ramones sound. There are definitely right. songs to pick off of Road to Ruin and later works, but I want to be sedated for sure. I want to be sedated is one. Uh, you know, I'm going to get back over to it here. Needles and pins. I, I remember Needles and Pins is a pretty good song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. I just want to have something to do. Yeah, that's one that's kind of like that. Bad brain, bad brain. Now we're just naming. But songs. you're kind of. But you no, got, these are the ones that feel still kind of like classic. Yeah, but then you've songs. got like I don't come close is a weird. That one stood out to me kind of the way I want to be your boyfriend stood out. Don't come close is like pretty poppy. Yeah, it's very poppy, very doo-woppy, poppy. Yeah, and then so. questioningly is kind of ballady mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, I th- I don't know. I wonder. I wonder when Tommy stepped out. It it's weird to think that a drummer would have so much influence, but right. Maybe so, maybe not so. And well, that was he's also, that heavy in the production realm of things. I mean, Ringo, look at how much influence he had. Yeah, very much. I also wonder if they, if it wasn't like, hey, Tommy's going to stop, so is this an opportunity to make some adjustments to the sound? 
kind of thing. Like, did they use the? Because that's the first time that it, the lineup changed, right? At all. So, which they had a few over the course of time. Marky ended up leaving when Richie came in, and then they switched back, and then when Didi left, CJ came in, and whatever. So. Since we circled back to some of their early work, I will go ahead and say my favorite uh, Ramon song, which is off of the debut. It was very briefly mentioned earlier. I missed my opportunity to say it was my favorite. Uh, Beat on the Brat. I love that song. Beat on the Brat. Beat on the Brat. Beat on the Brat with the baseball bat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, ho. has a good cover he did for dr demento of that song true mm-hmm. story that's true um on their album rocket to russia one of the producers of the album that's not named tommy ramon is tony bon jovi he is a cousin of john bon jovi his last name is b-o-n-g-i-o-v-i and i did not i never knew this but Bon Jovi, his name is John Francis Bon Jovi, and his last name is, or his band name and his stage name is just his last name broken up, basically. It's very interesting. I never knew this. It is quite odd. It is odd. Um, I think it's kind of funny. I don't know. Oh, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to Hard Nerd real quick. I'm just gonna go there because I feel, I want to. Because Johnny, um, he plays a Moserite. Ventures guitar, uh, which is a model that Moserite was a California guitar producer who started making guitars and went to bands of the surf era and kind of like wanted to sponsor them kind of situation. So all the guys in the Ventures, for instance, played originally played Jazz Masters because it's a huge guitar for surf rock. When Moserite developed their their guitar, it was it's an offset as well. It's a very similar guitar. It uses humbuckers instead of using the single coil style pickups that Jazzmaster do. They went to the Ventures and they said, "We made, we want to, you know, sponsor you." So they made a model, the Ventures model, and they gave them to all the Ventures guys, which they used for the duration of their contract with Mose. Right when it was over, they switched back to Jazzmasters because whatever, doesn't matter. Um, and that's what Joey Johnny Ramone ended up playing was a Ventures model Mose right guitar that he picked up at like a thrift shop somewhere. And then when it came time to get a new one, you know, he just played that consistently. So the guitar we know that him playing. The white with the black pickguard kind of offset where the bottom is like longer than the top type situation is a surf rock guitar, which is very interesting. Um, so yeah, he and it fits the influences. I wonder if that had any impact on it or not. The sound that that thing produced, but just kind of interesting to see that that's what he played the same thing. He never, you know, some people switch up guitars and, and effects and amps and all of this stuff over the course of their careers, they change, and he kind of stuck with that with what he knew for the entirety of their career, and he just played through super overdriven amps that were absolutely loud as could be and blew people out. So it's just, uh, I don't know, it's kind of fun. I, th- I think that's interesting. Maybe other people won't. That's fine. I don't really care. You think whatever you think. I thought it was interesting. Thanks, dude. Jared. Jared, do you want to go ahead and give us your final, or our, your favorite track, and then we can do some wrap-up thoughts? Yeah. I was going to pick Beat on the Brat, so i got to change it up. Pick and, Worm and, Man. And you, pick, and you picked... Uh, Pet, Cemetery. Pet Cemetery, which is another one. So so far, we're pretty good on the favorites of my favorites. It's tough uh, because I like some of the later stuff. I think of the options left, I should pick. Uh, I want to be sedated. Another song that's really good is the KKK took my baby away. I great think that's song. a great song. Yep, but I want to pick. Song. I want to be sedated.
Bebop part? Is that what you want? No, that was, that was good. Oh. What's the song where it says uh, second verse, same as the first? Yeah, I like that bit. I like the, where they say that. Like, yeah, but the third verse is different from the first, so be yeah, aware. Yeah. Uh, as much as I'm, I was happy that I Want to Be Sedated uh, exposed many Guitar Hero players to Ramones, mm-hmm. I also was had extreme anguish for people saying, I like Ramones, I love I Want to Be Sedated, and me saying, I want to kick you in the nuts or punch mm-hmm. you in the face right now. Is that one of their songs? I hate you. I want to kick you in the nuts and yeah, punch, punch you, you in, in the, the face. face. I don't want to play Guitar Hero. Then they smash it. They never smashed instruments as a punk band. It was like a rock thing. You think a punk band, you really want they to. They had too much respect for the craft. They didn't That's have. Right. It's probably because as a punk musician, you don't have enough money to buy new guitars. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. That's probably. Really, and you're all DIY, so you'd have to make it out of like a tin can and a piece of wood. And that's not going to be great. No. All right. Do we have any uh, closing thoughts on Ramones? I found uh, a cover that's so bad that I, we have to play it. Oh, my. It's yes. by CeeLo Green. Oh, oh this yeah. Is, this is bad. He covered Blitzkrieg Bop, uh, but it's called I Love Football. Don, have you heard this before? Never. Well, prepare to be disappointed. Not very good. It's it's like mercifully it cut out a little bit on my end. So. <laughs> it's like he recorded it because he wanted it to replace uh, like the Monday Night Football song, right. and it was just like, how can I show that I know about sports the least? What I imagine is someone asked him to replace the Monday Night Football thing, and he's like, I don't want to do that, but I want to get paid. Yeah. So, so he wrote he something remote, so yeah. bad he knew they wouldn't use it. I like yeah. how it's Brilliant. just it's just a m- amalgamation of football terms. Mm-hmm. You know, he just, eventually <laughs> the verses divulge into like saying touchdowns, kickoff. It's just like words that have to do with football, not even in a he, sentence. He just googled what is football, and he took the first couple of phrases that were there. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I would. I would. I'm interested to know everyone's favorite album. If if y'all are interested in trying to think about debut. it, debut, debut, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, Donnie, either too tough to die or debut. Yeah. Honestly, I'm a leave home kind of guy. For me, I really enjoy leave home. Their second, that's I think that's probably my yeah. favorite. The f- debut is the thing I was introduced to, and it's the thing I've gone like. It's just probably the best debut in punk history, and oh, it's yeah. interesting because we've talked about like other. Um, bands a little bit like we talked we mentioned the clash we had an episode about the clash we've talked a little bit about sex pistols over the years i love the the phrase we've talked about other bands a little yeah that's true that's a good (laughs) phrase that's that's our headline of our podcast we've talked about other bands a little but um i would argue that the ramones are the biggest punk band in the history of the united states probably yes and that they influenced more bands in the U.S. than almost any other than any other U.S. band. I would say the next closest U.S. punk band would be Green Day. And I know you guys, oh, ah, yeah, 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 but boo. but don't like, you boo them? I know, but I, know. I don't know what like in terms of commercial success and what they've done. Uh, to influence other people and still being able to be relevant sure. to this day and everything. Like, who else? I mean, you could say, like, Black Flag or yeah, uh, yeah. Dead Kennedys or what. Like, they didn't have, they, you know, they didn't have that. Another band is, like, Bad Religion. They've been a lo- around a long time and people really like yeah. them, but they're not successful commercially. No. No, 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 no. So who else would it be? It would. I mean, right. yeah, that's true. And then Green Day, I suppose. That, yeah. I mean, I mean, you could even argue, which is unfortunate, you could argue Green Day is more influential than Ramones uh, because, I of wouldn't, fact, I because wouldn't. of the fact of commercial, if that's what you're arguing, because Ramones really didn't have commercial success. But 
Yeah, but retrospectively, Green Day doesn't have a Blitzkrieg bop. The closest right. thing they have is um, when I come around. No, uh, the song the, the another pl- turning point. Song. Oh, I yeah. hate that song. Like that's their that biggest song. song, and it's not even representative of a the pump. band no, at all. No, you just played at prom. No, or at the I, end of Friends. graduation is where you play. Uh, I don't. The thing is, is that uh, influence in terms of commerciality doesn't mean anything in terms of influence of band I creation. Agree. That's where I get it. So like. People who want to start a band, like I don't care how many people listen to Green Day, those people aren't making music. Right. The people who are making music listen to Ramones. Like yeah. I, I can't tell you how many people I've heard when I've watched uh, either inductions or you watch interviews and they're like, oh yeah, who's influences and they name Ramones and, you're, and I'm like, I don't know how that works into your music really, but I, but that's awesome anyway. You know, there's people from all sorts of genres of rock that list Ramones as their influence. Well, didn't uh, when. When they got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, didn't Green Day perform for them? Yes. Sure. Yes, they did. So that's interesting. Circles. So <laughs> I want to talk as as we're uh, closing closing up this show here. The last album, Adios Amigos, it is the final album. It is what they knew was going to be their final. Call the all otherwise they wouldn't have called it what they did. But I really like a lot of songs from this album. I love the opener, I Don't Want to Grow Up, which is a Tom Waits cover, which is amazing. And uh, the song The Crusher, which was originally on the D.D. Ramone album that is a rap album. He quit the Ramones because he loved rap music so much. It is the craziest thing. We could do an entire episode about it. We, could. we didn't even talk about it, but it's great. But Uncle David had the cassette. Oh, that's amazing. That's that's a roast right there. <laughs> But Dee Dee wrote that song and was on his debut album, and then they recorded it and put it on Audios Amigos as the Ramones. Speaking of the, of little side groups, mm-hmm. it's anecdotal and it's of side groups. Tommy um, eventually created a a bluegrass country folk group, a duo, uh, him and Claudia Tannen, which I thought was his girlfriend or or, or partner at the time, but I can't remember. And uh, called Uncle Monk, that's mm-hmm. what it was called, and they performed at the folk festival in my hometown of Madison when I was in high school and it is the pinnacle of my Ramones fandom moments. I saw him live in person physically and then I was walking down the street. They stayed, they played Friday evening and it was Friday, Saturday and uh, thing. And uh, he, they stayed around the rest of the weekend hanging out in the town and I was walking down on the river and then I saw him. He's sitting there on the river eating some food and I just got super close and didn't say anything because I was so nervous and I didn't want to interrupt this meal. And I wanted to say something so badly, uh, but I didn't. I just stood very close to him and walked by and said, "Oh, now's now's your chance. What would if if he were here right now? What would you oh say God. to him, to Tommy? Yeah, I would say, hey, remember that one time you played in a small town in southern Indiana? No, I'm saying if if you were standing, I'm you wouldn't remind him of the thing that he just played. I'm saying." If you were in that time, oh, if, you if go, I was there now, yeah, if I were to go back in time, I think even if he was sitting right here, that's I was like, that's a weird question. But. No, no, no. What do you regret not saying to him? Oh, I, sh- I regret not going up to you and saying, uh, I don't want to interrupt your meal, but the Ramones are the most influential band to me, and without Ramones, I wouldn't have found anything else that has to do with music and that and how important it is. And you, I are got a awesome. special surprise for you, Caleb. Open up the curtain behind you. Oh it's my Tommy God! Ramone. Wow, he's dead. So you're a douche. I would. I love that you opened up with what also could have been a Ramon song. I don't want to interrupt your meal. Yeah, there you go. That's a good one. <laughs> I hope you're not eating veal. I would. Yeah. I, there you go. <laughs> Jared, you are halfway through a Ramon song already. Yeah. Yep. I. Uh, I wanted to be. I would have wanted to be polite at least. You know. Remember when we could know. have said hello to Menzingers and we didn't? That was fun. Don, uh, Don, yeah. Let me remind you that was your fault, Donnie. Do you have anything mm. that you'd like to close on? I do. I found something. It's not Ramones related, but it should have been. Okay. In 1980, the Alvin and the Chipmunks put out Chipmunk Punk. <laughs> oh, boy. It, it, just, it just shows you that America had no idea what punk is because there's <laughs> almost no punk on the album. What? Okay, so what is even on that album? Uh, let's Go by the Cars. Oh, no. <laughs> there are... Two, two knack songs. Okay. Not punk. Wait, is that two? 
Uh, Tom Petty's Refugee, not punk. Not punk. That's <laughs> not uh, punk you at may be, all. It's just the closest thing is Debbie Harry, uh, Call Me, Ooh. because she was involved. But it's yeah. so like we don't know what punk is. Should have been the subtitle. Yeah, yeah. Of the can, album, but Kennedy should, so that's what the Ramones the were up against. Just that America did not know what punk was. Right. So you, this is here's this. You're missing a. Uh, you may be right by Billy Joel and oh crazy my. little thing called Love by Queen. Oh my no, you know the quintessential punk songs of our time. <laughs> yeah, you may be right. That Billy Joel punk is really what gets me. And you know we've been talking about Ramones, but I I forgot to mention to you that I really where I really started was that Billy Joel. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. I, I I mean I, most of my musical taste was shaped by Elvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah. yeah, you know who loves the Ramones is Motorhead. They wrote a song in tribute to Ramones called. Ramones, but just stylistic R dot yeah. A dot whatever. And uh, Tyler told me later in the career, the Ramones covered the Motorhead song Ramones. Nice. Yep. Which they is could. interesting to cover a song that's an homage to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You co- you have covered and perform regularly a song that was written to tell you how influential you were to someone else. <laughs> we're influential. Listen to us sing about it. It actually was on the box set as well. Oh, that's nice. what, that's, how that's Tommy's favorite. One of Johnny's favorites. Oh, Dom, yeah. yeah, Johnny. That's the kind of thing you would expect on Dee Dee Ramone's hip hop album is trying to like oversell yourself with your music because that's yeah. what hip hop does. Oh, man. Last, oh, another, last track on that. Nice. Last, the very last Another one. song I really love is Joey's cover of What a Wonderful World. That is a oh, great a song. That's like the best. Probably the best non Ramones Ramones song, you know. Think that one of my favorite Ramones songs is the song Life's a Gas, and it's a great, um, like goodbye song to their fans. And I think that that would be a good way for us to end uh, this show is to have to play uh, Life's a Gas. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. This week we've been talking about the Ramones, and next week we'll be talking about the Velvet Underground. Check out all our social media bits, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, so on and so forth. Check out our website. We have some beautiful articles. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash record roundtable. Thank you again for listening and goodbye.